My wife and I are here today serving as pastors of this church because we made a decision in 1985 to move to San Angelo from Corpus Christi. And it was supposed to be a two-year stay. We made a decision that we were going to come over here for two years and then go back to, to Corpus Christi. In fact, I made a promise to my wife because she didn't want to come. She said, I, I don't want to go. And, and I, you know, Corpus, that area was home for us. And she didn't want to come, but I, she agreed to it because I promised her that we would go back in two years. And so I came up here in 1985 to work on my master's. I finished graduate school in 1987. It took me two years, just like I told her. But as you can tell, we're still here. And uh, now before you say, well, Pastor, you didn't keep your word. You didn't keep your promise to her. At, at the end of the two years, we both agreed. We both agreed that we were going to stay here. But uh, initially, that wasn't the plan. The plan was that uh, we were going to be here. When I finished graduate school, we were going to go back. At the time, my dad was pastoring. He was looking for a youth pastor. So I thought, okay, this will work out. I can work with the youth and serve as a youth pastor while I'm going to school. And then when I'm done, we'll go back to Corpus. We, we really intended to. But, we, you know, God had other plans for us. And so because we made that decision, and let me tell you, I struggled with that decision too. Do I do it? Do, I, do we stay? Do I uh, come? And, you know, it was, it was a difficult decision, but we made the decision to come. And, and the rest is, as they say, history. And I'm glad. I'm glad uh, every day that we're here. But, you know, we make decisions every day, don't we? We decide what time we have to get up to get ready for our day. We decide what clothes we're going to wear that day. Some of you maybe decide the night before. How many of you decide the night before what you're going to wear the next day? Okay, I do too. Sometimes, <laughs> this is crazy. Sometimes on Saturday, I get so excited for church on Sunday. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I got my clothes laid out for Sunday morning. I know that's weird, but I, that's just how much I value Sundays. But we decide what clothes we're going to wear. We decide what we're going to have for breakfast. We decide, I mean, the, the list goes on. Uh, decisions that we make throughout the day. Now, those decisions are pretty easy to make, but then there are some decisions that are more difficult to make, and they affect us in a more profound manner. They have deeper uh, and more long-lasting consequences. So maybe we spend more time in, in making those decisions, and, and we wrestle with with what we're going to decide. A big one, of course, for people is like, who am I going to marry or when should I get married? If you already have a, a significant other, when should we get married? Or should we have children? Or should I take that new job? I'm so secure in this job, but this looks like it's maybe a better job. Or should I take that job in another city? Should I, should I move, move my family? Should I change careers? Should I buy this car and put myself $20,000 or more in debt? You know, what, what should I do? I mean, those can be life-changing decisions. And as I said, when my wife and I moved over here, we struggled with a decision. We prayed about it. We talked about it. And it turned out to be a life-changing decision for us. But I would argue that whether it's a small decision that we make day to day or it's a bigger decision, um, those decisions, even the small ones that kind of form our habits, those decisions help to form our character. And, and, and even the small ones are life-changing because they're forming us. In fact, I believe that to some extent... That our lives are the sum degree of all the decisions we've made along the way. Where you are right now 
what stage in life you're in and where you find yourself, who you're married to, and even your children and everything that, that you, where you find yourself in right now is, is, a, is a, a sum total of decisions that you've made along the way. Now, we know how it is. We, we'd like to perhaps blame our parents because of the way that they, that they brought us up. And, you know, my parents hadn't moved here, have hadn't done that. My parents had allowed me to do this. Uh, and, or maybe we like to blame our circumstances. But the truth is that we're the ones who made decisions based on whatever hand we were dealt. Whatever hand we were dealt, maybe we, we think it wasn't fair. Okay, but that's what it was. And we made decisions based on, on the hand that we were dealt in life. Whether we had good parents or, or not so good parents or grew up poor or grew up middle class. You know, it doesn't matter. We made decisions based on where we were. In fact, I would say that any regrets about our lives, and I think all of us have regrets. Sometimes I listen to people talk about and they say things, oh, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. And I think, really? I mean, I would change a lot of things about my life if I had to do it all over again. I would, there's a lot of areas that I would make a different decision. You, you must have had a perfect life because I think we all have regrets. And some of them are minor regrets. Some of them might be major, might be bigger. But I think any regrets we might have about our lives are because of decisions that we've made. Decisions that didn't turn out to be right. Well, this morning we are starting this new series titled Solve for X, Finding and Following God's Will. And the reason I'm calling this Solve for X is because for some of us, I know not all, but for some of us, discerning God's will can feel like solving an algebraic equation. Some of you are good in algebra and other maths, and and you see an equation, oh yeah, I got this, I can figure it out. And other of us see an equation, we go like, ugh. You know, we, we freeze like, OK, what's the first thing I got to do? You know, but uh, my, my point is simply that X is uh, God's will for some of us is, is like that X in algebra. We've got to solve the problem. We've got to find it. It's not always apparent. Uh, and so th- that's a point that God's will can seem like that X in algebra that we need to find. So that's why I landed on this title. Solve for X. Finding and following God's will. And so we're going to read Proverbs 3. Beginning with verse 5, verses 5 and 6. And I'm reading today from the New Living Translation. It reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And He will show you which path to take. Now, some other translations might say, And He will make your paths straight. And that means the same thing. To make your path straight means that, that God will, will show you which path to take. He'll make your path clear. He'll make your path straight means He'll make your path evident that you should take. All right, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will. Some versions say acknowledge Him. And, and that word acknowledge means like with a laser focus. You acknowledge Him in all you do and He will show you which path to take. Now this is a promise that God has made to every one of us here today. That if you trust in Him, if you don't depend on yourself, if you seek His will in all you do, that He will show you which path to take. Now let me just give you a little bit of, of context here. Before we get back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and, and, 
And that is that when we talk about the will of God, the Bible uses this phrase, the will of God, in three different ways. Theologians, in, in studying this, and if, if you and I were to just look up all, in, you know, using a concordance, use up, uh, using the concordance rather, we were to look up all the times that this phrase, the will of God or God's will, shows up in the Bible, we'd be able to very clearly put them in three categories. The Bible uses this phrase in three ways. And here they are. Uh, the Bible talks about the providential will of God, the moral will of God, and the personal will of God. The providential will of God, the moral will of God, and the personal will of God. Let's talk about those three. The providential will of God is what God wills to do no matter what. This is what God does no matter what. For example, when God decided that it was time to send Jesus to earth as a baby, he willed that, he decided that, and nobody could stop that. Satan tried to stop it. He couldn't stop it because that's God's providential will. He decides, and how many of you know when God decides something, it's done. That's the providential will of God. When God decides that it's time for Jesus to come back, his second coming, to come back for the church, come back for his bride, then that's a providential will of God that will make that happen, whether we like it or not. The end times, the things that are going to happen, we can't stop them. When I was in, in high school, I was sitting in a Sunday school class at our church, and, and the, the lady who was teaching our class, she was a wonderful person, uh, a, a strong Christian. You know, but she said something that back then I thought, I know that's not right, because she, she taught the lesson, and the lesson was in end times, and, and of course, the second coming, but it kind of... It kind of uh, focused more on some of the end times happenings, uh, the wars and rumors of wars, and just the different things that were going to happen from the book of Revelation. And so she went through that and, you know, ended, of course, with the second coming to the rapture and then the, the, uh, the second coming of Jesus. And so as she finished, we were all just sitting there listening and thinking about that. And she said, and she said something. She said, you know, this, some of these things that are going to happen are going to be just terrible things, terrible things in the, in, in the end times. And, and she said, uh, do you think that maybe we could stop those things from happening? She says, I think so. I think if we prayed, if we prayed and asked God, don't send those things to earth, I, I think we could change that. And I'm thinking, I don't think so. You know, I, I was a high school kid. I didn't know anything about the providential will of God, you know, like theologians teach us now. But I knew enough to think... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen because it's in the Bible. It's prophesied and, and, and Jesus is coming back and all those things are going to happen. And so I don't know what happened with her. I don't know if she just didn't think through how she was going to end the lesson. And it was just kind of off the top of her head. But, I mean, that's the providential will of God. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter if you believe it. Some people don't believe that Jesus is coming back. It doesn't matter. It's a providential will of God. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter if you have faith. We don't have to have faith to... To make Jesus come back. He's going to come back whether or not you have faith or if you pray for it. If you pray against it, doesn't matter. It's a providential will of God that will happen no matter what. Now let me just say this and I'll get back to this later. But the more familiar we become with God's providential will, the easier it becomes for us to identify God's will for our lives. And this is why Bible study is important and learning God's word, knowing God's word, knowing how God works in this world and what God has said in His Word. 
And then we have the moral will of God. And the moral will of God is simply God's will for your life morally. God's boundaries for you morally, according to, to the scriptures. God wants you to be on the right side of the moral will of God. For example, would it be, would it be uh, right morally for you to have premarital or extramarital sex? Is that right? No, because if you, if you do that, you're in disobedience to God's word and you're outside the moral will of God. Okay, that's that's clean. Would it be uh, would it be husbands? Let me just talk to husbands because I'm a man and I'm a husband. So uh, would it be right for you to be harsh with your spouse? No, because that's outside God's moral will. Would it be right for you to lie and to cheat on your taxes? Well, no, because you'd be outside the moral will of God. As an example, look at First Thessalonians four, beginning with verse three. First Thessalonians four, verse three says it is God's will. See, there it is. That's a moral will. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Now, there are things in the Bible that are clear. There are boundaries. Sometimes we're afraid of, of being um, accused of, of being legalistic. And so we don't want to talk about the the do's and don'ts, but the moral will of God is basically the do's and don'ts. There are standards in God's word. There are standards for holiness. Here's one of them. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That's something you don't have to pray about. That's God's moral will. So if a guy has a girlfriend and the guy tells the girlfriend, you know what, we could save a lot of money if we moved in together. Uh, you know, we just share expenses. We don't have to make a commitment, get married. That's just a piece of paper. We just, we just live together. Then the girl doesn't have to say, well, God, what should I do? You don't have to pray for that. It's evident. There's God's, that's God's moral will that you should avoid sexual immorality. We know what, what God's will is. And all throughout the scripture, we find this moral will of God. We find the basic do's and don'ts of the Bible. So again, the more familiar we are with the moral will of God, the easier it becomes to discern God's will for our lives, which is the third one now. And this is the personal will of God. And this is the one that, that we're all interested in, right? This is why you came. This is if you knew we we're going to start this series. This is what you're thinking about. Okay, that's great. I want to know what God wants me to do. The personal will of God. But you know what? We can't skip the first two. We can't ignore the first two because the first two help us to understand the personal will of God. Knowing the prevent, providential will of God, knowing the moral will of God, will position us to discern the personal will of God and the personal will of God, I think it's easy for us to understand that's simply the specific sense, the specific sense, maybe the specific steps even that God wants us to take. When when I was uh, I talked to you about the decision we made in 1985 to move over here and how difficult that was. In fact, I, uh, I, I we had decided at the end of the school year, that we're going to make this move. So I resigned my teaching position. And uh, we were going to move at the end of the summer. And then during the summer, I decided, I changed my mind. I decided, you know what, I, I don't want to leave Corpus. And so uh, 
we had said we we're going to come, and then I, I, I backed out, and, and uh, I started looking for another teaching job there, and, and I found one. It wasn't exactly what I had had. I had been at a really good school, and that kind of made it hard to leave. The, the one that I had resigned was a really popular school. It was a good school uh, district, but uh, and I started looking for another one. I, I found a, a, another job. It wasn't a great job, but I thought, well, this will keep me here. And uh, but before I signed on the dotted line, I, I realized, you know what, I'm just looking for excuses. I know what I need to do because God had shown me. And and, and among the things, you know, it's not always this clear, but among the things that that God used to get me to understand is I was uh, having dreams back then. And you have to understand back then I was just a teacher. I wasn't in the ministry I was just teaching. I was involved in the, in the church. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a pianist. I was a choir director. And, and I talked to my pastor about possibly moving over here. He gave me good, good advice. Of course, he didn't want me to come, but he gave me good advice. And, uh, but I started having dreams that I would, I would see myself preaching. And I'd think, oh, I'm not a preacher. Why am I having these dreams? And they, they were happening. And then uh, one day, one Sunday, I was, uh, we had gone to Sunday evening service. And um, my wife and I, after the service, went to the grocery store. Bethany was a baby. She was uh, probably about 14, 15 months old. And uh, she, uh, she was asleep in the car seat. So my wife stayed with her in the car. I went into the grocery store. And as I started uh, walking down one of the aisles, I saw this man come up to me. And uh, he was African-American, wearing a suit, wearing a little, uh, little uh, hat. And... Uh, I remember thinking when I saw him, he looks like you know, one of the hats of Tom Landry. Some of you remember who Tom Landry is, he used to wear on the sidelines. And so he's walking up to me with a big smile on, on his face. And, and I'm thinking, he's smiling at me. He must think I'm somebody else. I don't know who he is. So he came right up to me and stopped right there. And, and he says to me, are you a preacher? I said, what? Are you a preacher? I said, no, sir. And then he, he got real serious and he looked at me. He says, God is calling you to preach and you need to obey him. And I, was, I almost fell back. I thought, oh, my word. And so I went out, and my wife says, where's the milk? I said, oh, I came back. I went out with nothing because I was so stunned by that. And, and, I, and I, I, you know, I really wish I could, I could tell people, when we made the move to San Angelo, it was an act of faith. It was a step of faith. I was just trusting God. It was, and God had to hit me over the head with a two-by-four to get my attention and say, look, I've got a different plan for you than what, what you have laid out. It's not always that easy. I mean, don't you wish it was always that easy? And, uh, and I'll be real honest with you. With you. I, think, um, I think it was even after that that I, I still was trying to look for a job to, to stay down there because we can be stubborn that way. At least I can. But the, the, that's a personal will of God. Now, here's a very important point. Very important point. In fact, this is really, if you forget everything else, remember this from this morning. That is, that the more familiar we become with the providential will of God, what God has, is doing in this world today, and the more obedient we are to the moral will of God, the easier, the easier it will be to find and to follow the personal will of God. The more familiar we are with the, with the providential will of God. In other words, we have to know what God is doing in this world. 
We can't just say, oh, I just want to know what God wants for me. No, let's, let's look at the big picture. We're, we, you know, this, this world does not revolve around us. There's a big picture. God has a plan for, for, uh, for earth, for, for people on this earth. What is God doing? And as history is moving forward, it's, it's leading toward a culmination. So let's be aware of, of what God is doing and how we fit into this plan. But we also have to be obedient to the moral will of God, the things that He has clearly said in Scripture. Not just we talk, we read the, the verse about avoiding sexual immorality. There are other verses about submitting to the government, right? I mean, let, let's not uh, ignore that. That's not the one that we like to memorize. You know, what verse you memorize? You know, the one about submitting to the government. No, I mean, you know, maybe we don't memorize it, but let's, let's be obedient to that because that's part of God's moral will. And the more we are familiar with the providential will and the more that we are obedient to God's moral will, the easier it is to find and to follow God's personal will for us. And I want you to, to look at these two aspects of God's will in this way. How many of you like uh, football? Do you have any football fans here? Okay, some of you like football, college, pros. We're, we have a family fantasy league that we got going right now. And um, so I'm 2-0, and o, yay. Uh, my wife is also 2-0. and o. She doesn't know what's going on, but she's 2-0. and o. <laughs> I Remember, she's 1-1. One one. I'm not sure, but she, I know she won last week. And uh, Marcos was real upset the first week because uh, he went up against Micah. And Micah forgot to uh, change out his quarterback. His quarterback the first week was Carson Wentz, who was hurt, wasn't even playing. So Micah didn't even have a quarterback, and he still beat Marcus. And Marcus was like, oh, I can't believe this. He didn't have a quarterback, and he still beat me. So we like football. So I want you to, I want you to, to look at this as uh, uh, um, these two aspects of God's will as boundaries on a football field. So let's put that football, football field up here. God has... Two boundaries for our lives. The providential will of God that will happen no matter what. And the moral will of God, which is what God wants you to live out daily in obedience to his word. Now, in between the providential will of God and the moral will of God is the personal will of God. Somewhere between the providential will of God. And there's a lot of room here, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of room. But somewhere between the providential will of God and the moral will of God is the personal will of God for your life. God's will for you specifically. And and so the important thing is that, like I said, the more familiar you are with with the boundaries of the providential will of God and the the boundaries of the moral will of God, the easier it will be for you to find find your uh, personal will or God's personal will for you. So we, we can't just ignore these two, like a football player who would ignore the, the sidelines. You know, he, he's not going to be able to advance. He can't just run all over the place, right? In baseball, a base runner can't just run uh, and get out of the base path. He's got to stay in the base path. In football, you've got to stay within the boundaries. So if you're familiar with the providential will of God, and because you're studying Scripture, because you're learning you're growing spiritually, and you're obedient to the moral will of God, it makes it easier for you to find, and there's a lot of room here where you can find the providential will of God. And I want to make sure you understand this. You understand how important, you know, one sideline is a providential will of God, what God is doing no matter what. The other sideline represents the moral will of God for our lives. And the more familiar we are with those boundaries and the easier we'll be able to discern God's personal will. And this is really foundational. This is, and I, I want you to keep in mind, this in mind. We're going to live 
live between the lines. Live between the lines. You find fulfillment. You find happiness between the lines. One of the reasons that, that we struggled coming over here in 1995 is because we really liked um, the city where we were living. And, uh, and I had plans for my life. My, my plan was, uh, you know, finish college, get a master's, get a doctorate, and to teach at the college level. And this is why I came over here in 85, to get my master's, and then I was going to find where to get my doctorate until God changed my plans. But you know what? I'm, I'm not ever, and even God allowed me to continue to teach, um, you know, for, for many years, but I'm most content when I'm doing what God has called me to do in preaching and teaching and ministering and in pastoring the church, because that's God's personal will for my life. So make sure that you're not living down here outside the moral will of God in sin, disobeying God's commands. Make sure you're not living up there outside the boundary lines, totally ignoring God's plan, totally ignoring God's word, just kind of living your own life for yourself because there is no fulfillment and, and that'll make it really hard for you to determine what God has for you specifically. So as you grow spiritually and as you begin to surrender to God's commands and begin to obey God's commands, then you'll be able to discern God's will for your life. Now, here's a real problem. The real problem is in finding and following God's will. The real problem is not that God doesn't want to show us his will. It's not God's unwillingness to communicate. The problem is our unwillingness to follow through. There's a tendency in our part to ask God to show us his will so we might consider it. It doesn't work that way. We're really interested in God's will, right? Because we have options. Okay, I've, uh, I've, got, I've got options here, God, and, and here's uh, option A, here's option B. What's, what's your option, God? Show me, show me your option so I can lay it down here with A, B, and you'll be C. And then, then I'll consider what those options are, and then I'll decide. God says, no, I don't play that game. God doesn't play that game. In other words, think of it this way. God doesn't give us direction for our consideration, but for our participation. God doesn't give us direction for us to consider it and to contemplate and say, hmm, no, thanks God, but you know, scratch C, I'm going to decide. No, God doesn't do that. And so we're really interested in God's will, right? We all are. But we might be interested in God's will for the wrong reason. So we can... Consider it so we can contemplate it. And God says, no, that's not how it works. Let's get back to our verse. Get back to Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. Help me out here, okay? Help me out. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Not a part of your heart. See, when we tell God, show me your will so I can put it down here as option C, then you're basically saying, I trust you with part of my heart. I trust you with option C, right? God says, no, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, I realize that, that God gives us uh, you know, wisdom. God gives us intelligence. He gives us experience, you know, the school of hard knocks. And, and so we, there are things that we learn. But God says, don't just depend on your own understanding. Don't just depend on your, on your own intelligence, your own wisdom. You trust in the Lord with all. All your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He's saying, surrender your own understanding. Give it up and just trust 
in God. And then he says, seek his will in all you do. There it is again, the word all. Seek his will in all you do. Now, what does this mean? That means don't just seek God in the area in which you need direction. We're good at that, right? We have a, a, a decision to make about a job, and, and we get down with God. We say, God, show me. God, me, which job should I take? And should, or should I say yes to this job or no? And so we're seeking God in that area, and God says, well, that's good. But I want you to seek my will in all you do. Seek my will in, in the other. Seek my will in the moral will of God. See, I know people who, who are living outside the moral will of God. And they're say, they say to me, Pastor, help me pray that God will show me what to do here. Well, first of all, get inside the moral will of God. Because the Bible says, seek his will in all you do. Providential will. To be able to line up with what God is doing in this world. Moral will. The, the basic do's and don'ts that God has set there for our good, for our benefit. So seek his will in all you do and only then and only then, because look at the way this is written. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And which means and only then he will show you which path to take. So if you say to God, I don't I don't know, God, if if I want to do your will, but uh, I'd like to know what it is so I can think about it. God says, no, I don't play that way. But if you'll trust me, trust me with all your heart. Seek my will in every area of your life. I'll show you the way. Now, God wants to guide you. God wants to direct you. But only when he knows you're totally surrendered to him. You're totally surrendered to his providential will. And you're, you're lining up because you know his word. And you're lining up with what God is doing. You're in agreement with that. And. And, and you're totally obedient to his moral will. Then God will show you which, which path to take. In other words, stay between the lines and God will guide your steps. Stay between the lines and God will guide your steps. Think of it this way. Surrendering to the known will of God will help us to discern the unknown will of God. Surrendering to the known will of God, moral and providential. Surrendering to the known will of God will help us discern the unknown, the personal will of God. Let me finish with this. Solve for X is about growing in your faith. Becoming familiar with the providential will of God is about growing in your faith and growing in your obedience to the moral will of God. When we talk about software X, how can I find and follow God's will? Well, it starts with you growing in your faith to understand the providential will of God, to love what God is doing. And It continues with being obedient to the moral will of God, the things that God has made clear in his word. How can you do that? Growing in your faith is something that happens daily. I said at the beginning that even our daily decisions that we make, our routine, can change our lives because if you have a daily routine of seeking God and praying daily and reading his word absorbing his word for your life then you'll be growing daily you'll be getting strong 
you'll be in a position to discern God's will for your life. So it happens daily, and it happens in a church family. It doesn't happen alone. We talked about this last week. And there's benefit in being a part of a church family. When we get together to worship on Sundays, when we get together to study His Word on Wednesdays, it happens in the context of God's family. Growing in obedience begins with you saying yes to God before you even know what God wants you to do. If you can say yes to God, you say, God, I'm so sold out and committed to you, to your providential will, to your moral will, I'll do whatever. Once you surrender to God in that way, then you'll be able to discern God's personal will. Stay between the lines and God will show you the way. Live between the lines and God will will show you the path. Would you bow for prayer? Father, we're grateful today for, for your word. And Lord, I thank you that, that you continue to speak to us. You're not silent. You don't leave us on our own to wonder and to wander about discouraged and lost and in despair. But God, you speak to us if we would but listen. Teach us today to live between the lines. Teach us today to surrender to you. To surrender to your providential will and to be obedient to your moral will. Teach us to live a life of surrender, complete Surrender in every area with all our hearts and in all that we do. Help us to surrender to you. That we would be willing to do that even if if the path we are to take is not clear yet. That we would still say, doesn't matter, God, I still surrender to you. I'm not sure how this is going to work out, how it's going to play out, but I surrender to you. Thank you, Father, for for speaking to our hearts. And today, we commit to surrendering to you.